a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave's X Media. Harry did not have to wait for Defense Against the Dark Arts to meet Professor Umbridge. He was pulling out his dream diary in a seat at the very back of the shadowy divination room when Ron elbowed him in the ribs, and looking round, he saw Professor Umbridge emerging through the trapdoor in the floor. The class, which had been talking cheerily, fell silent at once. The abrupt fallen noise level made Professor Trelawney, who had been wafting about handing out dream oracles, look round. Welcome to the Restricted Section, a Harry Potter podcast in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread this beloved series and uh, whatever I said last season. I don't remember how those intros went, I guess. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry. We did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 15, The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Professor Umbridge is taking over one class at a time, but Hermione isn't going to stand for it because knowledge is power, baby. Welcome to the restricted section where every day is a detention day. My co-host today is the Lady of House Matherly, the first of her name, queen of the Richmonders and at least one man, protector of the Circle of Seven Friends and Khaleesi of the Great Grass Backyard, the Unburnt Out, the Breaker of Waters, the Mother of Freya, our Queen in the North, returning from the hells of childbirth itself, Brooke, say hello to the listeners, Brooke. Oh my God, there's absolutely nothing I can say that will live up to that introduction. (laughs) Thank you so much. Guys, I'm back. I produced an heir and now I'm back. Woo! And like... Your daughter is our queen in the north. She's a ginger, y'all. She uh, she did. She came out ginger and blue-eyed, which is fucking hilarious because I am neither of those things. Uh, her father's side of the family has the most dominant recessive genes that have ever existed. They only make one type of baby, and that's the baby that I had. So <laughs> She's so cute. Her name's Freya. We do call her the queen in the north. Um, yeah, I swore fealty to her upon first glance and congratulations on forcing life out of your body brooke thank you i actually didn't force it doctor ripped her out yeah i I, I got halfway through that sentence and i was like oh yeah c-section yeah so that's why i didn't end with vagina i mean i got bodily cut open i feel like that's equally metal it's pretty metal it's very uh very twilight you know (laughs) you know less traumatic than the whole twilight thing unfortunately not a vampire that would help with the midnight waking schedule of a newborn quite a bit (laughs) i have been lucky enough to hear brooke's entire harrowing c-section story in detail it's actually not that harrowing but for me yes it was harrowing (laughs) (laughs) it really wasn't that bad It was the the full body itching after the surgery that really upset me. The full body itching and the vomiting while having to hold your own organs and yeah, tough. that's and that's where I was like, this is horrifying. <laughs> Josh's face says, "I have never been gayer." <laughs> Josh is making quite the face, and I I want you to know that that was the least traumatic part of childbirth. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh my god. <laughs> so 
Okay, carrying on. Brooke, we're so glad to have you back. Happy to be here. Carrying on, our special guest today is a personal friend and former boss of mine who is also a creator himself, Josh, host of Super Scary Podcast. Say hello to the listeners, Josh. Hello, listeners. Hi. Hey, we're so happy you're here. Thanks. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I've been uh, texting Christina for the last, like, I don't know, like, month that we've had this scheduled, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so excited to record with you. Oh my god. <laughs> we're very exciting. Before we go any further, Josh, what are your pronouns? Uh, he and him. Thank you so much. Uh, tell us a little bit about Super Scary. Originally, the concept was that I was going to cover like superhero movies as well as scary movies, but it kind of developed into more um, like focusing on horror movies in general. So we have a, a little bit of like sci-fi and superhero movies that we have coming up on the docket, but mainly kind of dealing in horror movies and um, yeah. <laughs> That was a great Amazing. that was a great pitch for my podcast. <laughs> Go listen, guys. Like <laughs> Yeah, it was so good. And I had the honor of guesting on an episode in which we discussed the movie They Slash Them or They Slash Them or They They Slash Them. Yeah. I mean You know, I, it's I, the emphasis is up for interpretation. <laughs> Much like how this podcast you don't need to read the Harry Potter book books in order to enjoy we endured this movie so that you don't have to because it was, it was um, so bad it was so bad and very traumatic as someone in the uh as i like to call the rainbow coalition um <laughs> the lgbtq plus community yeah a lot of trauma a lot of not so much slashing so <laughs> more slash less trauma yes (laughs) honestly josh i gotta say i'm like super impressed anyone that can say the word horror that many times in a row and not have it suddenly start sounding like the word whore is like (laughs) a very good orator well thank you because that's something that is constantly in the back of my mind so sometimes i go the route of just saying scary movie instead of the word (laughs) horror because Sometimes. Arr. Arr. Sorry. Arr. Arr. You have to do it. It's like almost an imitation of my late Bostonian grandpa. Like, that's exactly how you <laughs> yeah. said it. It's like um, in Harry Potter land, we have R. Oh. Harry Potter wants to grow up and be an R. <laughs> it's nonsense that the English language allows for that as like a sound. Oh, my God. A U R O R could just Dumb. be the capital letter R. Dumb. <laughs> So you said that you cover horror and superhero movies. Now, was the Twilight Saga, was that, which category was that? Um, I would <laughs> I would put it in the category of, you know, the most uh, scary movie that you could watch ever in your life. Um, yeah, like what if you just fell in love with an incredibly mediocre man and then had to live forever with him? Yeah, hey, and a then, rich, incredibly mediocre man. True. You're right about that. That is true. Yeah, we covered the Twilight Saga in great chaotic depth. There was no structure (laughs) to that episode, which I don't think it needed to have said structure. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, it, it was with one of my best friends who, whenever it was on Netflix during the pandemic, she would text our bestie group chat and say, I'm watching Twilight again. And this was like weekly. Like, this woman is so you know, well-versed in the Twilight universe. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Man, the the Bestie group chat is such an important part of 
any, I think, like elder millennials uh, social life. Yes. Yes. I, I talk to them more via the the group chat than I think in kind of like, oh, yeah. you know, like video chat or anything. <laughs> If we didn't have our bestie group chat, Brooke, Andrew's not on social media. He would have to just keep those memes to himself. And what what on earth good is that? He would have. I don't know that we would hear from him ever. <laughs> I don't think so either. He would just. He be seems like the surprise. He seems like the kind of guy who would just like occasionally call me to yeah. check to like catch up just for like ten minutes. You know. That feels right. My problem is if it's not if I'm so used to the group chat that like people will text me things of interest and I'll be like, huh, interesting. And then just put the phone away without like responding <laughs> because oh, I'm yeah. like, surely someone else will pick up this conversation. I, I find that interesting. Thank you. There are many introverts in the group chat. Let's just say Andrew and I do a lot of the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of us are there to react to every single message. Yeah, Mike Mike Boothby does some work in that group. He's a good responder. He's like, great, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and I, I live for that. <laughs> Our group chat, we all have iPhones, so I'm the like I'm the 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 reacting of the the love message or like haha or whatever. We call it love lurking. Love lurking. <laughs> That's a good term for it. Thank you. I just invented it. <laughs> English language is all made up. Do whatever you want. So, Josh, tell us a little bit about your Harry Potter history. When did you first read the books? Was it today? When did you first watch the movies? Uh, what's the deal? Yeah, well, um, I actually texted my mom earlier today to because I couldn't really remember if I watched the movie or if I read the book first. And right mm-hmm. as we hopped on recording, she actually texted me back. So she said, you started with the first movie... And she also said, you made a great Harry Potter because I dressed up as him for Halloween for a couple years. Oh, nice. You do. You are a white boy with brown hair. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And I, I felt like as a kid, like the way my hair was parted and everything, I felt like I looked like Daniel Radcliffe. I probably didn't. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to look like Daniel Radcliffe. You know what I mean? That's true. My mom crocheted a scarf for me that looked like the Gryffindor colors. And it's. It was so cute. I think I still have it. I haven't been able to find it. I'm kind of in the middle of a big move at the moment, but uh, hopefully I can find it one day and be able to wear it on the next episode I'm on if I'm invited Oh, yeah. (laughs) You are so calm for being in the middle of a move. We originally scheduled your episode to record like oh three God. days before your wedding. Yes. And then I was like, hey, bud, do you, is, did you do this on purpose? So uh, this is much less stressful than that might have been, yes. no matter what. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize when you booked me the first time that it was the week, literal the week of my wedding. So I think I was just in such a f- crazy frenzy of like, yeah, I want to, I want to, I'm going to do a podcast and like. Why in the world did I start doing a podcast two weeks before my wedding? I don't know. Uh, But I was like, you know what? My podcast is called Super Scary. If I don't take this opportunity to record for October, it's dumb. That's just the way my brain works. October is a month for inspiration and ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before you start to hibernate for the winter. Exactly. Which is happening right now. Yeah. I submitted a term paper the day before my wedding, the night before the wedding. Oh my I was God. in my hotel room finishing up a paper for my master's degree. There's nothing hotter than that. Oh my God. Me. Yes, queen. To actually answer your question, um, according to my mom, I guess we started with the movie for Sorcerer's Stone 
And then I remember getting um, the first three books in like, I think it came in like a like a box set type thing. Oh, yeah. I had the same thing, I think. Yeah. Um, so they were paperback. And then since then, my um, I grew up in Pennsylvania and then I had a Nana that lived in Chester, Virginia. So she would go to the midnight releases for the following books. So she would always get that for me and send it to me and it would be, you know, my Christmas slash birthday present. So Aww. I still have it. I I can't part with them. So <gasps> I, I love I, it. I don't know if you can see it. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the listeners can't see it. but <laughs> I do keep my Harry Potter books like up in my office so as to not trigger anyone who's like chilling in my house. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just keep them out of the way. I keep the illustrated editions downstairs because they blend in a little better. Like maybe people don't know what they are. But right, my big right. set, I'm like, well, and also it's they're in my office. You know, I work on them. This is work right now. Yeah. I just happen to love my job. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep mine like clean and pristine enough that I can pass them down to my daughter without having to purchase another set. Yeah. Ooh, you know, what's more fun than clean and pristine lived in and full of legacy. I only say that because one time I accidentally melted a candle down all of the sides of all of my Harry Potter books, and they're still kicking, you know? As, like, a weird Etsy trend, like, from the early 2000s where everyone was melting can like crayons on a canvas with a hairdryer, or, like... Oh, God, and then everyone... the One person did it, and then every single person after that thought they were so clever. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh... It's not Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I used to always put on Bob Ross at the brewery that Josh and I worked at together. Oh my God. Yeah. I could talk about I Bob haven't Ross watched it for since. hours. Well, and the thing is that like literally I would say like 60% of our clientele commented on it. Like so many people commented on it. Yeah. So like obviously I'm going to leave it on. It's like something to fucking talk about. Yeah. And it, and it's like ASMR before ASMR was like popular. In yeah. It's my probably as hell. Yeah. I used to sleep with a guy who fell asleep listening to Bob Ross every single night. I, Ooh, I get it. appreciate that as a choice, but I did not stay at his place often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The things people use to fall asleep. You mean you didn't fall asleep to the, the happy little clouds and, you know. <laughs> it was less that. It's just that, like, I didn't care enough about this guy to be like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to listen to Bob Ross in order to do it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, Josh, what Hogwarts house are you in? I could see a picture, but you're going to have to ver- give a verbal confirmation. I mean, I'm Slytherin. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, the listeners can't see, but I'm wearing my Hufflepuff shirt in solidarity of the Hufflepuffs. Yeah, Hufflepuff pride. Period. We're just as good as you are. No, <laughs> you're not. This very book contains a hat song in which it's like, Hufflepuffs for, I don't know, fucking everyone else. That's my <laughs> house. That's my friend group is for everyone. <laughs> Come on. Literally in this very book, the hat's like, there were the smarts, the braves, and the bolds. And then there was everyone The else. friends. The friends. <laughs> you don't have to be anything other than just a nice person. I swear to yeah. God. House miscellaneous was too hard to spell. <laughs> but what's so what's so funny is like growing up i always wanted to be gryffindor and i think it's because i was like dressing up as harry potter for halloween or whatever and ever and my mom was always like oh you look like harry potter then uh whenever like the official quiz or whatever for pottermore came out and i i i took it 
and it told me, I think Ravenclaw the first time. And I was like, ew, no. And then <laughs> I took it like four more times and it was Hufflepuff every time. And I was like, okay, I guess this is my personality now. Um, <laughs> no. I thought for a second you were going to say that you took it four more times to get Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, th- I think every time I tried to manipulate the quiz to give me Gryffindor and it ended up being Hufflepuff anyway. <laughs> they were like, nope, we see through you. You are a Hufflepuff. That's such a Hufflepuff move. Yeah. That quiz was very hard to manipulate. You'd think you knew what you were doing and then you get to the end and it's like moonlight or darkness and you're like what does this have to do with anything yeah exactly <laughs> the website is just a cover for just a real life sorting hat behind the screens <laughs> who's like tip tap tapping away sorting you for real for real <laughs> and i i actually uh retook the quiz like two or three days ago because it's been a few years so i was like well let's see if you know time has changed me at all and i'm all of a sudden a slytherin <laughs> but uh no alas i am still a hufflepuff so I'm very happy about that. Puff, 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 puff. puff, puff. puff. Pass. <laughs> Before we get started, I would like to read a listener email. Ooh. It's a pretty good one, if I do say so myself. Is it as good as last week's? <laughs> it's Let's say it's different. Okay. <laughs> this one's from Sophie Sheathe. Hi, Sophie. Thank you for emailing us. Dear Christina and crew, I hope you guys are doing well. Originally, I planned to write my... First email once I'm all caught up with you, but I just finished listening to your discussion on chapter two of Order of the Phoenix, A Pack of Owls. A Peck of Owls, I think is what it actually is. Side note, says Sophie, a group of owls is called a parliament, and I feel personally robbed that Joanne didn't call the chapter a parliament of owls, and parentheses. And I have thoughts, trademarked, that I need to share with you before they fuck off into the ether again. Beautiful openings. I love this so far. Really um, good way to get my attention. During your discussion, you briefly mentioned that the way Uncle Vernon reacts to Harry telling him about the wizarding world reminds you of how some parents and people in general react to kids coming out as queer. It reminded me of why exactly I feel so betrayed by Joanne's trans and queer phobia. Sorry, I should have said it like Joanne. (laughs) I was lucky enough that when I came out, this is Sophia talking. I was lucky enough that when I came out, the people that really mattered to me, including my mom, reacted mostly positively. But that didn't mean I wasn't afraid beforehand that she and others would react with scorn or would belittle, mock, and invalidate my experience just the way that Uncle Vernon does with Harry in this chapter. I saw myself and Harry in this scene even before I could put a name to my fears. And this plays into why the entirety of the wizarding world and how it was juxtaposed to the performative mundanity of the Dursley's life appealed to me. It always seems so quintessentially queer to me in both the old sense and the new sense of the word. At Hogwarts, you don't wear boring office garb. Men and women alike wear robes in bright colors. At Hogwarts, there are talking hats and off-tuned school songs and a potty-mouthed poltergeist, and even the -the stick-in-the-ass teacher turns into a cat. It seemed like a colorful queer place to me where the weird was celebrated instead of shunned, in a time when actual queer rep was very rare, because apart from shifting attitudes, it wasn't even legal in many places to include queerness in youth literature. Hogwarts felt like a home to little 10 to 15 year old baby queer me, or to put it the way I know how to phrase it now after actually having read literature on queer theory, Hogwarts and the way magic is framed, particularly in the early books, seems incredibly queer coded to me. Yet here we are years later and Joanne is actively closing her mind, desperately holding on to the toxic status quo of a gender binary that's never been the reality anyway, quite like her antagonist, the Dursleys, do with magic. It's baffling to me. 
from a different perspective when I look at the actual gender politics of her books or the way she wrote about the societal issues of the world she created, I can see the roots of her radicalization and make sense of it, but that doesn't prevent me from being disappointed. Anyway, I adore your podcast. That's called juxtaposition. <laughs> I'm honestly sad I'll be caught up soon because that means that I can't binge it anymore. I'm really glad you're addressing the issues with the books the way you do. I'm sure I'll write a few more in time, especially because Order of the Phoenix is actually one of my favorite books in this series. Thanks so much for all you do. Best, Sophie. P.S. English isn't my native language, and I know that some of you are editors who probably spotted every single mistake I made in this email. So sorry for that. First of all, Sophie, are you fucking kidding Sophie, me? Sophie, fuck all the way off with that. You're flawless. Yeah, she... That was so beautifully yeah, written. They, I they can't believe it. did a really good job it. that. Like, beautiful. Chef's Literally kiss. flawless. 10 out of 10 The fact that I again. could read it out loud pretty easily just... It's... Uh, this is beautifully written. Sophie, never apologize to anyone for your language ever again. Yeah, never. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Especially because you came in being like, first off, it's a parliament of owls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> schooling Joanne. <laughs> Sophie, thank you so much for this email. Like, sometimes I'm like, why the fuck am I still talking about Harry Potter? But then I get emails like this and I'm like, oh, yeah, because it still is valuable to some of us for community purposes. And like, I just feel so grateful to have you as a listener, Sophie, and everyone who's been a part of our larger conversation about like the queer betrayal of Joanne. Sophie, you did include one super controversial thing in that email, and that's that Order of the Phoenix is your favorite Harry Potter. I was about to say, Christina would absolutely (laughs) disagree with that statement. Email me if Order of the Phoenix is your favorite book and tell me why. Tell me why, because I'm still not getting it. See if Sophie has has a community to to attach to with the fifth book being the favorite book. Uh, Man, I just... I'm so grateful for that beautiful email. That was awesome. Thank you, Sophie, for listening and for writing. You can email us at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. Perhaps I'll read your email on the show. Perhaps not. Only time will tell. <laughs> it's got to be good or interesting. Yeah, it has to be good. Can you write as good as Sophie? No, you can't. I can't. <laughs> Writing's the main thing I do. <laughs> So today we're here to talk about Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 15, The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. And if I get derailed today, y'all have to help me stay on track because I've had a tummy ache all day. So I've been smoking weed and drinking cores to try to recover from that. So I've just got this <laughs> mild little like happy ditzy uh, energy right now. I love that. I love that for you. Oh, it's not cores. I'm so sorry. It's actually a natty light tall boy. Just in case that matters. Oh, to my anyone. God. No, that does yourself? matter because that's far less class <laughs> somehow um, than like, the cores. I have a tummy ache, and so it's like eating bread is drinking like a Bud Light. It's like almost the exact same thing. It just like stabilizes. I think that like what a the yeast rate. There's like live <laughs> beer. <laughs> Hold on, oh, I don't know no. what I'm talking about. You just no, said like, there's live beer. What? <laughs> no, um, beer has uh like what. <laughs> Okay, the, the <laughs> living yeast that makes bread, doesn't beer also have that? Technically, no. Brewer's yeast is a different strain of yeast, and you can eat it by itself as a nutritional additive to any food, so, so you don't need so beer. So it has yeast, so it has microbes, right? That's the word I was really hunting for. I think it has, like, living microbes in there. Ye- and when <laughs> I put them in my tummy, it balances out my gut microbes. That's how I feel about light beer when have, I have a tummy. Uh-huh. Have you considered kombucha? <laughs> Ew, no, no. I can't get down with kombucha. 
Also, uh, I love that Christiana and I both worked in a brewery and we have no idea <laughs> about any of this with beer. Dude, you and me behind the counter at that place was like a was like a three stooges bit, like just like running around. Girl, yeah, I was very narrow. I was like, yeah, the, this milkshake IPA, um, it's definitely it tastes, tastes like, like yeah, it's wait a milkshake I okay, I don't drink. I'm on the record. Has lactose in it. it yeah, actually has lactose. It actually in has it, lactose in it. Um, from Josh, I learned that. Yeah, from but <laughs> but an IPA and milk. Don't usually if you're gonna have a milk based beer, it's gonna be like a stout, yeah. a porter. Hmm. Why do you want the tanginess and bitterness of an IPA with milk? It ta- it did taste good. Yeah. If you ask me, like it was one of our better beers, but I don't feel like I could taste the lactose element. This doesn't matter. This isn't a beer <laughs> review podcast. <laughs> we actually have like so much chat. So today to we're through. actually reviewing butter beer. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> Ooh, let me make you butterbeer, Josh, because <gasps> I make it with Guinness and it's super good. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I demand that we start talking about the chapter. Chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor, and go. <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain. <laughs> Guinness has brewer's yeast in it, and that's why breastfeeding women drink it to increase their milk supply, because brewer's yeast has a positive impact on milk supply. There we go. I had to get that out of my brain. It's gone. Thank you. She does this now. She just spits out motherhood trivia. <laughs> Love it. Lots of breast facts. It consumes my waking days. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much and it's actually so nice because I don't plan on having children and like Brooke is the kind of person that I feel like I can ask you pretty much any question and you'll be frank about it. Um, I feel like I am very grateful for you <laughs> telling me about all this crazy shit. <laughs> I had the silliest breast issue recently, which was it's Do called a us. it's called a bleb. <laughs> oh, I love that! It sounds like your baby named it. Uh, yeah, um, unfortunately, <laughs> it's like an incredibly painful blister where your skin grows over one of your milk ducts. <gasps> no. Uh, oh, my boobs hurt now. Yeah, it was pain. It was hard. Sympathy pain. It took like three days to resolve. I had to do like Epsom salt soaks with a manual breast pump. And um, oh my God. like you're supposed to just like keep nursing until the baby basically sucks it so hard it pops. There you go. Have fun. Ew. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, oh, my man. God. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Brooke. It's time to start the chapter. Um, <laughs> guys, we have to get to it. It's so important. Percy Weasley is in the newspaper. Okay. Like what? Drop everything. Stop the press. Okay. Did anyone else think that this would be a much more fun chapter if the High Inquisitor had to be high? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for sure. They would have to cast Trelawney then as the High Inquisitor. (laughs) Cast isn't the right word for like the ministry picking her. Um, But you know what I mean. The the High Inquisitor has been my experience of sitting around with a bunch of people smoking weed every single time. It's just people (laughs) asking questions that you're like, huh, yeah, I guess I haven't thought of that ever. (laughs) I love that. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> so flattered by that description of being stoned. Like as if I ever say anything poignant. We watched all of Hamilton, got to the end, and we everyone just got up and left in silence because we were so stoned from these edibles that Mikey uh, that uh, Andrew gave us. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad to hear that I'm occasionally poignant with it. Percy Weasley's in the Daily Prophet because there's an article about how Professor Umbridge. No. Just Umbridge has been appointed Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Whatever the fuck that means. Um, it's new. 
It's new. <laughs> well, my name for her is Hogwarts High Snitch Bitch because she's just basically reporting back to the ministry about all the dumb shit that's happening. It's true. So she is the snitch bitch in charge. I found myself frequently just being like the lion, the witch, and the audacity of, of this, this bitch. bitch. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she is just strolling around the corridors, harumphing at people. Like in, in the most nonsensical way. She's literally just constantly like, hmm. She, she picks is like every battle. She is the 12 year old girl that picked on you in middle school. Ugh. Diana. Margaret. Um, <laughs> wow. Josh, who was your 13-year-old girl? Are you talking about my beard or my bully? <laughs> your bully. Your bully. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hopefully your beard was much more palatable than this. It's not worth it. Yeah, otherwise. yeah, no. Um, I don't think I really had a bully at age 13. Wow, brag. <sighs> Must be real likable. Yeah, How was that? I, um, I can't help it. Well, were you nice or something? Were you approachable? I don't think. Well, I mean, I was closeted at the time. So, I mean, people would make comments, but it wasn't like one specific person. Just some light, a light, just, a, just like a light peppering of bullying. And then I came out as bisexual <laughs> in 10th grade. Oh, yeah. And then everybody left me alone. Um, Interesting. Well, good. It's a bunch of bullshit about how Hogwarts sucks and Umbridge is there to save the day. Okay, okay. good for her. So here's the thing. So they, they start the article by being like, in a surprise move last night, they called a special session of like the Ministry of Magic and passed this new proclamation, this new educational decree that creates the High Inquisitor. Right. You guys are familiar with how Stalin would just throw like forever parties with his oh, like yes. ministers. Yeah, he would throw these, like, for forever parties. Like, he would frequently be making, like, important legal decisions with everybody in his cabinet in, like, enforced, raucous, drunken parties until, like, 6 a.m. And that's what Fudge is basically doing here. Like, could you imagine oh getting an owl from your boss at, like, 2 a.m. that he's like, we, we need to make a high inquisitor. I need you to get to the office now. <laughs> There's some really excellent Behind the Bastards episodes about that exact thing about Stalin. I'll link in the show notes. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. I don't know. Maybe they're working around the clock. Oh, <laughs> to God. Like to do exactly what? I don't know, man. To do this. Like, they're like, we're finally making a move. We have to, Everyone has to stay here until it goes through. And it's like a couple of people, it notes at the end of the um, Daily Prophet article that is quoted in its entirety in this chapter oh my god i was doing a hermione i was reading it a lot of sean and i was doing a high-pitched hermione voice <laughs> and i like turned the page and i was like oh my god it goes on so much yeah. longer so annoying don't do voices it's not worth it but it does say that like two people just straight up resigned and like i get it like i don't mm -hmm. want to be called in yeah. for this shit like yeah definitely what do you mean a late night meeting of the entire freaking wizen gamut yeah fuck that nine to five Working what a way to make a living. There's a quote from Lucius Malfoy. He's like glad that Dumbledore is finally being subject to objective evaluation. And honestly, I don't feel like that's wrong. Maybe this isn't the path, but good valid point. Was the note about him giving this quote from his his mansion? mansion. Oh my yeah, god! It does say. Is that an appeal to authority or a dig? <laughs> um, well, I I have thoughts about this. 
So I've been watching a lot of TikToks and then I like one Harry Potter TikTok and then it's just my entire feed. But there's this one particular. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. them. Um, I send them to Christina all the time on Instagram. It's great. <laughs> and I appreciate it because then I have content. For right. I, I noticed that you shared some of them and I was send like, me, Yay. yeah, send me all the Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> um, but there's this one particular one that I remember of Daddy Malfoy, like with they <laughs> depicted him as like having a BBL and being very sassy and having like 40 inch, like long human hair or lace front wig. We love to see it. So that's what I imagined <laughs> that he was doing in this interview, like a T nice. like a TMZ style interview where they just come up to his house <laughs> and he's like walking out and he's like, yeah, I hate Dumbledore. The more dramatic we can make Lucius Malfoy in our head can in the better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just imagine you know, him and Snape being sassy BFFs. We love <laughs> to see it. Yeah. The quiet one and the mouthy mm-hmm. one. You know what I mean? Goth girlfriends. Like, everyone's out here throwing shade, though. Like, even... Okay, the the prophet's completely uncalled for addendum at the end of this article where it's like, Madam Marchbank was like, this some shit, yo. Like, Dumbledore's a good man. And they mm-hmm. literally put in parentheses, like, for a full account of her link to subversive goblin groups turned to page 17. That was wild. That's fucked. Also, is the, is the Daily Prophet, like, that long that there's 17 pages? Like, what else are you reporting on? That's a pretty normal newspaper, like. I guess so, yeah. My dad used to get the Washington Post, which was, like, probably 30. So they go to morning classes, hair, or class. Harry gets a D in potions. <laughs> on an essay right (laughs) not just like period (laughs) okay they take a moment to explain the owl grading system yeah and it's nonsense it's full nonsense yeah i also i too have the word nonsense in my notes it's wild like is this based on anything okay o for outstanding e for exceeds expectations a for acceptable i feel like i got graded on this scale when i was in like elementary school (laughs) but not not p for poor or d for dreadful it'd be i think you would get like an n for needs improvement it's like the worst grades you could get in like early elementary Mm -hmm. school yeah and then (laughs) so yeah they say they and there's p for poor d for dreadful (laughs) love that one and then the fabled t for troll (laughs) (laughs) and and love I it. and I love that Hermione like starts to explain it, but f- who was it like Fred or George is like no, actually it's this, and I'm like Hermione's kind of getting schooled in this chapter a little bit. Like, <laughs> why is she letting this happen? I think it's because she tried she tried to put A as like the second place because that's clearly what she got. Oh, <laughs> and they were yeah. like, actually, it's third. Oh, true. I, I, that was my reading of it where she's like, well, and then there's A, which is like second. So it's not the best, but like, it's pretty good. And they're like, actually, there's that's middle of the pack, babe. <laughs> it's like a bear pass. Yeah. <laughs> they're talking about inspections. Umbridge is going to be inspecting every teacher. Fred and George and Lee Jordan had their morning charms class inspected by Umbridge after lunch. She inspects Trelawney's divination class, which LOL. <laughs> I feel much like Ron and Harry in this chapter. It says that they, it's like they usually didn't like Trelawney, but like compared to Umbridge, they were definitely on her side, you know? And I felt that way in this chapter. Trelawney's not bad. She's just like kooky, you know? She's hard to listen to. 
Yeah, and she's also like in this scene when Umbridge is there, Trelawney is so reactive. Like she should be cool, chiller. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Come on, yeah. chill out. Umbridge <laughs> is ruining her high. Like it's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She probably did rip the bong at lunch, and then was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> she definitely didn't get the letter notified. Right. It's like super rude, especially because this is the first time we've seen Trelawney do anything that resembles an actual lesson. Like they're referencing a whole last book that someone else wrote. Like they are actually doing what would be a divination class for the first time in the books that we've seen. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're interpreting dreams. Harry's like making one up, but not really. Ron keeps asking him probing questions and Harry's like, I don't give a shit. And it's like, Ron's, there's an understanding that you're making this up, but like he's asking you to share the labor. Right. (laughs) The creative labor of developing this fake dream, like just engage with him. Um, but he's trying to eavesdrop on Umbridge and Trelawney. <clears throat> Umbridge is, like, following Trelawney around, which, like, God, this would be so fucking annoying. I would react exactly like McGonagall does later. We'll get oh, there. Love it. Umbridge starts asking Trelawney questions, um, and then she asks Trelawney to, to predict something on the spot, which isn't fair. Because I really, truly believe that even someone without the sight, capital T, capital S, could, like, totally still teach the theory of divination, right. you know what I mean? Like, why are you doing this to her? Especially because, bitch, your whole class is the theory of defense against the dark arts. Like, right, yeah, yeah, good point. People aren't doing shit in your class. Like, why you, why you think you get to come up in here and tell someone else that they have to be predicting things at your whim to prove their worth? Yeah, it's fucked. So then Trelawney's like, you're in grave danger. And Umbridge, like, writes down, like, obviously fake prediction because i could never be in grave danger or like whatever she writes down. but also if like trelawney was just kind of coming up with something off the whim like why do something so predictable as that because i feel like that's kind of like predictable, <laughs> it's predictable. yeah it's just, yeah i would have come up with something maybe a little better to get the scent off of you but maybe she just didn't care in that moment it's like her go-to move, though. She's constantly telling Harry he's, like, gonna die eminently. Which, I mean, for Harry, decent chance. But, like, you know, when we were first introduced to her, that people were like, oh, who'd she predict was gonna die gruesomely this year? Like, it oh, is yeah, her go-to yeah. move. And she even does it, it, like, literally a few paragraphs later after <laughs> Umbridge, like, leaves, basically. What if she does it, like, super intentionally? She's like, these kids... Their heads are way too big. They need to be deflated. I need to be predicting their death. They need to remember that they are not infinite. (laughs) What if she had just stared Umbridge in the face and been like, my prediction is you pass me on this Inquisition with flying fucking colors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. No, because then Umbridge could have been like, "Mm, it wasn't a very good prediction. So you fail. It's all about the courage, you know? It's the audacity of this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so next is Defense Against the Dark Arts, and Umbridge instructs the class to read, oh, what's that? Chapter two of their textbooks. Boring. (laughs) Yeah, they even, like, put their wands away, like, disappointedly. Like, clearly, they're, yeah, they're they're not going to do any magic in this class. Ever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I have a a question for you, Josh. Yeah. You do a a podcast on horror movies. (laughs) Crush Love it. As... As a like, as like a big bad, do you think that Umbridge could have a horror movie about her just like lurking around trying to get people like, just like get people, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, 
I mean, just especially with the hand cutty thing. Too. Yeah, I mean, that's straight up out of a horror movie. Like if I ever saw something, um, you know, just the anxiety of her, like her as a villain, just her presence gives you anxiety, at least for me, like just reading yeah. this chapter, I was like, I fucking hate this bitch. Like I want her to go down, you know, so she she would be a great archetype, I guess, for like a like somebody to base a horror movie off of like her presence, you know, her personality and everything. I'm trying to think if there's like anyone in horror, any characters in horror who kind of remind me of her. The first one that came to mind was, uh, I think her name's Annie. Is it Annie Wilkins? Uh, from oh, Misery. Misery. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. she's like sickly sweet. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And always like lurking. Yeah, that's a, that's a great comparison. It also has the Misery tinge of the body horror. With the with yeah. The, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, y'all. Misery is such a good movie. I haven't seen it in so. It's a good book long. too, but yeah. you can just watch the movie. I haven't seen that in so long. Hermione raises her hand to speak. She has read the whole book already. God, I love her so much. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna fight back by reading a book very quickly. Like <laughs> <laughs> respect. She uh, has memorized it, I guess. Umbridge grills her to confirm, and of course. Our girl Hermione has memorized all of the answers and their chapter locations, which is completely insane Period. to me. That's nonsense. Even if I had read a book cover to cover, I literally, I would have no clue. They'd be like, okay, what about this? And I'd be like, yeah, I, I mean, I read it. Especially <laughs> if you read it so fast, because like, at least if you're doing going chapter by chapter, like throughout a school year or whatever, you can be like, oh, I think we studied that in the winter. <laughs> but like, she read it all. It just all blends together. You know what yeah. I mean? Maybe she has some sort of, like, photographic memory or something. Oh, that's not bad. Maybe that's how she knows everything like that. That's the only explanation that I can think of. I think the photographic memory is, like, a a valid point because she's terrible at kind of, like, in-the-moment thinking. Mm. She's only really, really good with things she's read. You know what I mean? You're completely right about that. Like, she does, she has been known to panic in the moment. So I could see her being able to, like, recall, yeah, mental images of any page of any book. Yeah. But, wow. like, you know. Good for her. She put it in her mind castle. <laughs> I mean, she's basically done that multiple times. Like, even first book, she's like, oh, yeah, I've heard that word before. Let me remember which book it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what wow. I mean? Yeah, that's true. So basically, Hermione has some polite lip. Her umbrage gets mad and takes five points from Gryffindor. She's like, first of all, all of your teachers for defense against the dark arts have sucked, except for Professor Quirrell. And Harry's like, oh, yeah, he was really great, except for that he had Voldemort on the back of his head. So RIP, another week of detention for Harry. <laughs> Is that like a well-known fact or was he like shocking everybody with that? I don't know, man. It's all in Dumbledore's hands. I, I feel like it wasn't a well-known fact, at least from my like limited memory of because it's never really brought up again until this moment, from what I remember. Yeah, it's so true. like <laughs> for years, for like four years, like Harry and Dumbledore and you know the crew like are sitting on this information. So him just kind of blurting it, it's not like the entire class would be like, yeah, you know what, like like kind of rally behind him. And it's also stupid that he would think that this outburst would bode well for him. And I think he does a lot of that in Mm -hmm. this chapter of just kind of, well, in this book in general, really, that he just kind of keeps, like at this point, he's bringing it on himself with the detentions and kind of putting himself in the situation where he still 
is getting tortured and for whatever reason, still not telling anybody. Um, so yeah, that's my TED talk. <laughs> I mean, no, he handles this entire book like someone who has just been turned down for sex and is incredibly horny. Like that level of frustration <laughs> is just applied to everything. Very much. Yeah, he really does take every opportunity to have an outburst, like like the easiest slight, and he's just like on top of it. Like he's hard to defend as a protagonist in this book, and he's also it's also a long boring book, and that's why I don't like this book. Thank you for listening to my talk. <laughs> Brooke, would you like to do a TED talk? The rest of us did. I gave you information about milk blebs. I think I kind of <laughs> oh, did mine. Quite yeah. Enough. yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> Harry has to start up his detentions again. And guess who's fucking pissed about it? Angelina Johnson. <laughs> to be fair, like she has every right to be. She's like, oh, you yeah. could have just shut up and not had this happen. Cool. Yeah. Like replace him. Yeah. And McGonagall kind of says the same thing to him. Like what? You fucking mm-hmm. got detention again. I fucking just had this conversation with you. And I yeah. and I feel like that would have been the perfect moment to be like, Hey, listen, look at my hand. Um, there's clearly imprints on it. Um, and I would like your help. Also, sorry for getting another week of detention. I know I'm fucking stupid, but can you do something about this? <laughs> he is just like, yeah, she'll get mad. And guess what? That sucks. So no, I won't tell her about it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, his explanation in the... I, I They're back in the common room, right? At the Gryffindor area yeah i Um, guess so but like later in this chapter he's like yeah um i don't want to worry mcgonagall but i'm like they're they're already up in arms about umbridge being the high inquisitor and like them all potentially losing their jobs like why not just give mcgonagall more ammo to try to get umbridge out like the mental gymnastics of harry trying to explain this off is just wild yeah it's bad I mean, honestly, we've seen some wild detentions out of Hogwarts anyway. Sure. I don't I don't like this, but I don't know how much worse it is than like we're going to hunt a unicorn slayer in the dark forest. Yeah. And guess what? It was accidentally Voldemort. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <sighs> Dude, that's like the thing that pisses me off about basically this entire book where people are just like Voldemort can't be back. And it's like he was literally in Hogwarts not four years ago. But I guess that's the question is, like, if anyone ever heard about that, because Harry was 11 at the time and he did not report anything about anyone ever hearing about it except like Dumbledore. Right. That just seems like a wild thing to be like, I don't think we need to bring that up again. (laughs) I know. I know. It does seem wild. You're right. It could go either way. (laughs) (laughs) Umbridge also sits in on Transfiguration class and... Ron is excited because McGonagall will show her. And, and she, she does. does. I have a point of order about this transfiguration class. Transfiguration is transforming the figuration of something. Oh, oh my God. That's why it's called transfiguration. My, my mind is blown right now. I don't think you like understand. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about it. So how does disappearing fit into that? Hmm. Well, um... like you're not you're not transfiguring it into nothing. That's not a thing. You would think vanishing would be in charms. Right. Yes. Yeah. Also, where does it go? I think that. OK, we've discussed 
first of all, we'll get back to that question, Brooke. Um, <laughs> we've discussed on this podcast, what is transfiguration? How could you possibly teach it? It seems like it's just one theory that you have to get consistently better at transfiguring because they can't teach you a different spell to transfigure every dumb shit into every other dumb shit that you might need. So I think that Joanne was like, I'm going to write a transfiguration class. She's like, oh, shit, I don't understand how transfiguration works in the slightest. I'm actually just going to make up some bullshit and they'll be happy. I'll just have McGonagall be snappy about it. The examples we get of transfiguration throughout the books feels like a looser set of rules than even Quidditch. Right. (laughs) Right. And I feel like everything disappears into the apple cloud. So that's where I think it all goes, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> oh my There's God. just portions of mice in the apple yeah, cloud. <laughs> no, because I just like they were talking about like Ron had like a tail left over. So the, the rest of the mouse is that what goes in the lake? <laughs> but then that's transporting, not right. transfiguring something. But also transfiguring something is not making it disappear. I, I reject that hypothesis. Yeah, I reject it. My answer, hmm, I don't know how to pronounce it. Maybe it's pronounced duot, like dual, but with a T. Anyway, it's from the Kane Chronicles by Rick Reardon. They have like this like liminal space that they can just open and put stuff in like a pocket dimension. And that's where the transfigured invisible mice go. <laughs> there then are like ostensibly hundreds of years worth of mice bits floating in a pocket dimension somewhere near yeah. to Hogwarts. Oh yeah, they learned to make cheese. <laughs> it's not a whole mouse. Most people are bad at it. People were returning bits of mouse to the box. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, Ron just had a tail. Oh, my God. I hate this. How is PETA not protesting Hogwarts? <laughs> it's a wonder. Please send us your theories for what the fuck is happening right now, because I would love to have a better explanation than what we've come up with. <laughs> I love our explanations. <laughs> so McGonagall starts class, but Umbridge is like, <clears throat> Brooke, can you do a... <clears throat> okay, Josh. <clears throat> okay, those were all pretty solid. Yep. <laughs> Brooke, yours was more aloof. Josh, yours had more attitude, which is fitting. <laughs> McGonagall is like, how are you going to review my teaching if you don't let me teach, you bitch? Shut the fuck up. So Umbridge just sits in her little corner writing in her little notebook all class. And we love to see it, period. Like, get that bitch. (laughs) McGonagall is our queen. Yeah. (laughs) She's so good. She's so snappy. This is exactly how I would react to this. I'm not easily managed. (laughs) Josh, you did it, but you're the only one. Yeah. I felt like I, you know, got you together. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, especially like McGonagall's been teaching. I think she says 32 years. Is that yeah. right? And this is probably the first time she's ever been evaluated. Yeah. Right. I mean, I wouldn't evaluate her either. It would be like trying to evaluate like Grace. You know, my friend Grace. It's like she's just doing it right. You don't have to look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now this whole this whole class period. I don't know. I feel like I would have because she she alludes to the fact every time she evaluates a teacher she's like i notified you that this would be occurring today did you receive your notice and they're like yeah like we all live here like (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i love that mcgonagall's just like yeah fucking duh like you're sitting in here and i'm teaching like like what do you like i would have have questioned yeah i would have been like (laughs) what the fuck are you doing here like you know like (laughs) what McGonagall's subtext is is 
Don't ask fucking dumb questions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, period. But here on this podcast, we do welcome dumb questions, so don't be afraid. But there does seem to be like a set of questions she's asking them. And so my immediate thought was, did she send along a grading rubric when she oh my sent God, these notices? I hope so. Because she's asking, she's literally asking the exact same questions for the most part to every single teacher. And if you're going to be evaluated, there has to be some sort of consistency to it. So like my move here would to be, be like, oh, you're going to be evaluating me. Can I please see the rubric by which you will be conducting this evaluation? Make her oh, do work. Yeah. Make her do the work. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's Don't good. just sit in a corner and write little scribbly notes. I want to know exactly what I'm being evaluated on. What is the max points? You know, like. <laughs> and she she's like asking each professor like, oh, you were hired by Dumbledore. Like. Like they were all hired by like, Dumbledore. Like, hello. Yes. Like, like they're all like he's been here for 80,000 years. Like, of course <laughs> he hired everyone. Like why? He's again, literally so old. Yeah. Like, again, why are you asking dumbass questions like i really want to see her ask that to professor bins i know she doesn't but i would love to see <laughs> professor bins just be like i actually died into this position so <laughs> whoa so that's actually hilarious brooke because what on earth was that evaluation like because we don't get to see it but she says she's she says she's interviewing or what am i saying evaluating every teacher bins is a teacher do you think she is like do you know you're dead <laughs> guarantee that she asked that question i bet it describes him as not really being aware yeah. so i feel like she would ask that well she's got like a kind of distaste for anything that's not a wizard ghosts were wizards though the phrase she always used yes is like half breeze which don't love that tone nope. change for that mm, yeah. don't like that phrase but that's the phrase that she uses a lot to describe like centaurs and giants and like lots of um other kinds of people in the, the series but you're right that professor bins is just a dude <laughs> he's just actually he just died though he's dead but he was like he was a wizard right hmm. so do we do we have hate for that as well um probably is like this is fine because he's the most non-threatening person in this castle. I would love to see Umbridge try to fluster him even a little bit or furthermore to try to be like, you're being removed from your position. I feel like he would just be like, huh? Okay. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I remember in some book, I literally don't know if we've read it yet or not, but at one point, Harry has to interrupt a history of magic class. And it says that professor Bins is like shocked. Like nobody had interrupted him in like a hundred (laughs) years. <laughs> I feel like he's easily flustered. I will say the tenure of all of these professors is extreme. They've been here, yeah. So the shortest per the shortest tenure was was that Trelawney was sixteen years or something like mm-hmm. that. that. At least that we heard. Maybe that's why it's so wild that they keep losing defense against the dark arts teachers. Apparently, a Hogwarts teaching position is a lifelong commitment. Yeah, yeah, it seems like. It. I mean, you have to live there like you abandon your life. It's almost like becoming a nun. You have to be fucking one of the other teachers. You just have to. Or some of them wink at four. Or you like, just have to be deeply asexual. Like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's I always go for the horny path. That's not that's not a reflection on the fact that ace people definitely <laughs> exist out there. It's just a reflection on how horny I personally am. That's my lens. Do you think that has to be written into the like job offer where they're like, um, <laughs> actually, we're exclusively looking for asexual people. You will have to abandon everything in your life to be here. I would you believe it. Simply I would believe it of Snape. Like a vow of 
a vow of celibacy and or asexuality, like being asexual. I would believe it of Snape, McGonagall, uh, Bins. <laughs> Pomfrey? Uh, Pomfrey, Dumbledore, sure. But, you know, I'm not buying Flitwick. I think that that man needs to bone. I don't buy Flitwick. I don't buy Sprout. Sprout. They're having oh, sex with each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're just old friends. <laughs> what about Hagrid? Nah. Vow celibacy for sure. Hagrid has the mentality of like a seven-year-old who's allowed to oh, drink. That's like, true. I don't feel comfortable with <laughs> him having true. a penis at all. <laughs> that's a good point. Well, seven-year-olds have penises too. I know, but have you seen how they use them? They constantly are just like, look at this thing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, uh, must be so fun. Uh, <laughs> so uh, in case you didn't get enough umbrage today she's also in care of magical creatures like is does she not teach any classes today no she does she, she teaches, teaches the one against the dark side. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah but i guess besides that one because she is inspecting every other block like does she not have classes three out of four periods in a day because that's bananas maybe this was her light day and she was like i gotta knock out a bunch of these inquisitions wow that's crazy. She's like, this is the burden I bear for this school. Oh, that's 100% what it is. Yeah. She wrote that in her diary that night. With a, It's a pink fluffy diary with a pink fluffy pen. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is it a burn book like a Mean Girls? Because that's oh, what yeah. I imagine. <laughs> that's great. Hermione Granger is a fugly slut. <laughs> she went against me in class today. Sorry, I just had to get that out. <laughs> no, that's perfect. It's, it is perfect. Why is she wasting her time inquisiting a substitute teacher? Yeah, great question. Yeah. I, I don't got an answer. Well, I guess just to try to figure out where Hagrid is. I guess, but like I've never seen a substitute teacher be literally subject to any amount of scrutiny like substitutes always came in put on a movie and then we're just like i don't fucking know i'm here because legally someone has an adult has to be in this classroom (laughs) yeah i've i've been a substitute teacher on and off in my career and the most i ever did was pass out a single worksheet and then collect it again at the end of the period Mm -hmm. this exact situation makes me think of my a terrible physics class that I took in high school that I definitely got a D in and was the only class I got a D in because I was a straight A student. A D for dreadful. D for dreadful. dreadful. And that class was certainly dreadful. D's get degrees though. Yeah. Don't they? In high ah, school, I think, I think they it's do. like C's. Yeah, I think it's oh, yeah, C's, no, C's in C's high do school, get but like in college, it's D's. But I just remember that this particular physics teacher was also like, the IT person for like the school district. I don't know. It's fucking weird. But he would just leave in the middle of a lesson. So the substitute would hand out a worksheet and we're all like, we don't know how to fucking do this. Like, and the substitute's like, well, well, I don't know. I don't know how to do it either. Good luck. Guess you don't need to know how to do that for your job. Yeah. And then the teacher would come back the, like the next day and be like, I don't understand why you all failed. Whoa. Yeah. Fuck school, am I right? Yeah. So I only passed physics because my boyfriend at the time was really good at physics and he did my homework for me. It's the most academically dishonest thing I've done in my life. Hey. Dude, me and my my younger brother Michael and I are so different that like I used to get A's in English and like 
D's and F's in, in like physics, for example. And he would get the complete opposite. Like he would get perfect straight A's in all his like hard science and maths and like a like an F in English. And we're both like, who are you? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just imagine if you two came together and just did you did you all ever help each other with your homeworks and stuff? I definitely did a, at least a couple book reports for him. I was, I think, compelled by my parents. <laughs> so I was like, fine, I'm going to do that shit about Harry Potter, though. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> I don't think he ever helped me with math. I think by the time he got to advanced math, he had already surpassed me. I was like, bye, I'm done. <laughs> getting, getting a liberal arts degree. They're going to teach me how to balance my checkbook. There you yeah, go. I was so mad when I went to get my stupid liberal arts degree. And they were like, you still have to do a science gen ed. And I was like, first off. No. no, I don't. <laughs> but I did. I had to do. I took environmental physics, which was the only interesting physics class ever. I think I had to do two or three science classes for my personal liberal arts degree. Pardon? Like, why? I definitely, <laughs> I definitely did biology and I did an astronomy class, too. And I think that was probably it. Yeah. For, for me, I did a, a print journalism degree and I had to do a science. But somehow I was able to finagle that my French class that I took counted as a science Ooh, that's nice yeah. nice a social science perhaps yeah I, I think it was linguistic science yeah something like that and i was like okay whatever as long as i don't have to take science classes <laughs> dude when i was in high school my friends and i established a club called the classic rock appreciation club that met after school and the acronym for that is crack and, and that's what we called it and when we formalized the school was like well obviously not that so they recommended that we call ourselves the Social Sciences Club. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And then I got to put on my college applications that I was like the founder of the Social Science Club. But it was really just crack. Hell like yeah. we just we just did PowerPoints <laughs> about Led Zeppelin, you know what I mean? That's like such a that's such a that's the school doing you a full solid on. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> it was crazy. Umbridge is asking Professor Grebley Plank, where's Hagrid? And Grebley Plank is First of all, I think fucking Professor Sprout uh, and also <laughs> is like, I don't know where Hagrid is. I don't know anything. Uh, can't can't flap me. I'm unflappable, which yeah. I respect it because she, she doesn't care. She's like, fire me. I, this isn't my job. Yep. She's like, literally, <laughs> Albus Dumbledore wrote me and was like, do you want a quick paycheck? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't have anything going yep. on. Yeah. <laughs> but you see why I think she I think she's Professor Sprout's girlfriend because she. Just rolls up. Maybe they have a house in Hogsmeade for the weekends or something. You know what I mean? Uh, I would love that. That is so yeah. cute. I love that. So most of the class says nice things about Hagrid, but then Umbridge asks Goyle if there were any class injuries. So Malfoy is like, oh my God, yeah. Remember when my arm got broken in half because I was a dick to a hippogriff? <laughs> Harry's like, yeah, only because he was too stupid to listen to instructions. And then Umbridge gives him another nice attention. Like, shut your fucking mouth. Like, Shut your mouth. Like, literally, like, you're just, you're, again, you're bringing it on yourself. I don't know why he just doesn't keep his mouth shut. Like, just let, just let Draco be Draco and be fucking stupid. Yeah, it's, like, not cool to be this reactive. I think I said that about another character earlier. In the, oh, I said it about Trelawney. Don't react. Just don't react. That's what, Hermione's doing it right in class. She's like, I'm going to be so chill. I'm just going to have a conversation with you. But Harry's like, you made me scream again. Look what she made me do. <laughs> okay, Taylor Swift, calm down. But like, the 
Oh, is that who that was? Mm-hmm. As soon as I said that, I was like, that's okay. Yeah, well, well, I think last week you went into like a battle with the Swifties, right? <laughs> last week I said, if I could go a day without hearing about Taylor Swift, that'd be okay with me. So let's see how many episodes until we finally don't hear about Taylor Swift throughout the whole episode. Not this one. <laughs> yeah, apparently not this one. <laughs> apparently not this one. <laughs> but Hermione's even like, again, she is like the queen of this book because she's trying to like reel Harry in and be like, Hey, fucking shut up. I got this. Like whenever she's going up against Umbridge earlier in the book, but it's just like, yeah, don't get involved. But like, she trusted him too much. She gave him too much credit. Of course he becomes involved. So after detention that night, I like midnight, Harry goes up to the common room and Hermione has made a salve for his hand injury. Uh, I can't remember, and maybe y'all, I mean, have did y'all read any of the rest of this book, or? Yeah. I read up to, I didn't read after. Is this the first, I don't remember that Hermione knows about his hand injury, did we get to see that on screen? I don't remember. Yes. We did? I okay. think so, yeah. yeah. I remember Ron, for sure, because that was a cute, adorable friendship moment, okay. Okay, thank you. So, Hermione is, like, really riled up and ready to take action, okay. And, like, I'm very happy because because instead of she's going to refocus some of her energy into, like, trying to help herself before she starts, like, just nosing into the business of others, like, throwing unwanted help left and right. She's like, I'm going to help myself and my peers. And, like, I love that. This is what I want her to put her energy into. She comes in with, like, I have a proposition. I get defense against the dark arts instruction. You get an outlet for all of this fucking rage. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. true. That's how she should have said it. Like, we can punch stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And I feel like she's really kind of downplaying her own abilities because she's like, oh, like, you're doing so much better than me in Defense Against the Dark Arts. And, like, Harry's like, no, I'm fucking not. Like, you're smarter than me. But, I mean, she's trying to, like, build, gas, gas him up a bit to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I could do this. Yeah, so Hermione suggests that Harry is the one to teach them these defensive skills that they're not learning in class. And he's like, my number one defensive tip is flail wildly. (laughs) Yeah, have you tried Expelliarmus? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There, (laughs) hold on. I actually, I know this is like not a funny thing to do, but this one will be funny. I know you're not supposed to like read memes aloud, but like I swear to God. (laughs) Um... (laughs) There was this meme <laughs> about how Harry Potter named his kids dumbly, and it was like examples of other dumb fucking names he, he could have named his kids other than like Arthur, like Charlie Weasley. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> and one of them, there's like Albus Severus Le Luna, but then there's like Fang Expelliarmus as like <laughs> something that he would have named his kids before naming them after a Weasley. <laughs> And I'll never forget Fang Expelliarmus. Somebody should name their dog that. The wildest thing about that is that in universe, that person would have to pause anytime they were giving their official name. He'd have to be like, my name is Fang Expel Earmus, so that he doesn't accidentally send one. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. You would have to just never say your middle name. Yep. <laughs> so Ron is like, we don't have time for this. We have too much homework, as you know. And Hermione, shockingly, insists that this is more important than homework. Okay. That's some Gryffindor shit right there. Hermione. Yes. It is her most Gryffindor moment to date, actually. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, we're going to break rules and we're going to not do homework 
And we're going to do it in the name of learning. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Learning, but better than what the, they think. <laughs> Doing it our own way. So they're trying to like convince Harry to do this. Harry for a minute like thinks they're pranking him. <laughs> He's like, I've only gotten along on luck. Like, uh, you know, he works himself up. He's like, fuck you guys. It's not easy being me. And you would never understand. And it's so fucking hard. <laughs> and He's like, shit's impossible. He breaks the bowl with the little hand salve in it. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, this is why we need you. <laughs> <laughs> he does need to get out some rage. Yeah. Well, it's wild because correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this is the first time he's really kind of voiced this. Right. Like he's kind of mm-hmm. like before this, he he's kind of lashing out at them. From what I remember, yeah, but like but not, not like about yeah, not this. explicitly saying, "Hey, like this is the root of why I'm lashing out like this." So it's kind of uh, hopefully cathartic for him in a way to be like, "I'm getting these feelings out, but now my friends are saying like they understand in some aspect." <laughs> Harry's like, "Did you know I have trauma?" <laughs> and everyone's like. Seems like Hogwarts needs a therapist once again. Literally. Once yeah. Again. He he would get along with Jamie Lee Curtis because every time she promotes like the Halloween movies, she's always like, uh, yeah, this movie's about trauma. Like she says it with an O instead of a U and it's like a whole meme. It's a movie about trauma. It's a movie about trauma. And the movie is about trauma. The 2018 movie obviously was a movie about trauma. The whole last movie was a study in trauma. It's a lot about Rage and trauma, rage and trauma colliding. Trauma and evil meeting. They made a movie about female trauma. Well, it's nostalgia, but it's nostalgia based on trauma. (laughs) What does trauma really look like? This is what trauma looks like. They would get along very well. They could discuss their trauma (laughs) together. (laughs) We do get one interesting reminder, which Hermione finally says Voldemort at the end of this chapter. Once again, I'm I'm forced to just be like, why does Hermione care? She was introduced to the concept of Voldemort in a book at the age of 11. Why is she nervous about saying his name? It makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. Like, she I didn't grow up completely. in the wizarding world. She has no context for this. It would be like if someone was like, oh, well, in like, in my language, bumblebee bump is a terrible word. And you're like, okay. Like, I don't have a problem saying that because it means nothing to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But I, I think also it's, I don't know, I guess like for the wizarding world, like they just don't say it. There are always, it's always like a stigma attached to it. So Harry saying it really kind of shocks everyone every time. But I feel like for Hermione and Ron, like they should be able to just say it kind of freely because they hear it a lot from Harry. I don't know. Well, like part of the reason that Harry says it so freely is because he, he has no connection to it. He was born and raised in a muggle context. And True. like they say that, you know, like the first time they're like, okay, his name is Voldemort. And he's like, huh? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why is Hermione different in this? Con- why is anyone different? Why are all the muggle-borns not going around just saying Voldemort at wizards? They don't like to tease them. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about. It's a great I didn't point. think about that fact for Hermione specifically. Yeah. But. She's like trying to fit in by not liking the human <laughs> right. name. 
She's like, oh, yeah, I'm a wizard. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I'm very offended by that. Like, she has a whole a whole like subplot where she's like, I don't get why Mudblood's offensive. It's not that yeah, big a deal. Yeah, she doesn't even care about it. I mean, in the movie, that's a movie memory if you think she does. Because in the book, she doesn't even know what it means and doesn't care. Yeah. In the movie, she's like, it's really foul name for someone. <laughs> Mudblood. And she's like sobbing in her stupid little Mary Janes with her big ass crimped hair. She's like, they, they're telling me I've got dirt in my blood. They don't. It's perfectly normal blood. I'm only making fun of it because she doesn't. She just, at the. hey, have I mentioned that the books are better? <laughs> yeah. The imitation of Hermione just now was was <laughs> chef's kiss. I can replicate a tantrum at a moment. <laughs> Harry's like instantly ashamed for screaming. And they're like, think about it. And he's like, sure, I'll think about it. Cause how could I not at this point, you've put it in my brain, like inception. <laughs> I don't think it's been that surgically. Con- right. <laughs> I think it's been carried out rather sloppily. But like, how could he not think about it? He's thinking about it because he's a 15-year-old boy. And they're like, you're kind of the chosen one. And he's like... You're kind of cool. You could teach us a lot. We have a lot to learn from you. He's like, I have a lot of trauma, but that sounds nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of the chapter. Josh, is there anything we missed? Or did you have like a favorite moment? Or want to revisit anything? Um, Well, I feel like this is kind of... Well, yeah. I feel like this is kind of the first chapter that like things kind of start happening you know like there's plans happening like after like what is this chapter 15 like after 14 chapters of basically stuff that could have been condensed to maybe you know five to seven chapters (laughs) potentially you know we're finally getting some movement going um yeah you're right about that and looking at the next several chapters like it's all it does start to pick up from here i i can say that Honestly, I think, I mean, we do have to get through Hagrid's tale. That's like 25 pages of bullshit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> things are about to start happening. Up to this point, this book is basically cats. It's just introducing new characters and having them tell you a little bit about themselves. Sing a song about who they are in the cat. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Dolores Umbridge is like, I like pink and cats and I'm mean. <laughs> and they're like, I'm Professor Grubbly Plank. You didn't get to know me, but I'm fine. <laughs> And then it's like, I'm number 72 of the Order of the Phoenix, and you'll never see me again. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think the the most satisfying part of this chapter is just McGonagall going head to head like we've been anticipating. So, you know, that's as a reader, like that's a very satisfying moment that you're like, okay, someone's actually standing up to her. Umbridge actually has a formidable opponent. Like, maybe there's hope. Yeah, someone who's, like, really in charge. I think it's because, like, McGonagall was being mean at the beginning of the chapter. We have to immediately redeem her. She has to stay, like, a safe adult. You know what I mean? Like, we have to like her. Or else, who else do we got? But I think, uh, you know, had Harry actually told her what was going on in those detentions... That situation, that conversation could have been different. I mean, she's probably would have still called him a dumbass in some regard for getting detention again, but she would have at least known what's happening. Yeah. Well, he tries to like cover it by being like, I'm sure if I did anything, she would stand up to her and then she would just pass an educational decree saying that anyone that stands up to her gets fired. And it's like, 
Maybe, but probably they wouldn't apply it retroactively. Like, you still got a window there, bud. Right. And it, and mm-hmm. had, I mean, like a whole week has gone by of him being in this detention before she becomes the high snitch bitch. Like, she, like he could have told anyone, <laughs> you know, aside from his friends, like any ad- adult that he trusts that this was happening. Mm-hmm. Telling an adult is not Harry's strong suit throughout that the That is very true. That is very true. I mean, we pointed out that, like, why should he trust literally any adults in his life? Which is valid, but it's still frustrating to watch him not even... He's just like, I won't because that feels stupid. Yeah. Also, I just, like, a, a quick succession of thoughts, like the thought train that I wrote on here was that mm-hmm. I'm like, who just so willingly takes, like, a brutal brutal scar like that and then i was like would you keep that into adulthood and then it was like he already has a scar he doesn't like surely he wouldn't and then i'm like would you tattoo over it and then i was like do tattoos move in the harry potter universe <laughs> Ooh, <gasps> imagine having like a snake tattoo on your forearm and it can just like go up and down your arm that'd, that'd be, be so, so cool. cool wouldn't that be dope yeah oh my god it's like your little pet yeah that's what I I want moving tattoos. I want a full bodysuit of moving tattoos. I want to be Maui from Moana. Yes. yes. I love that. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, are y'all ready to move on to plugs? Yes. Indeed. Okay, great. Josh, where can people listen to your podcast? Remind them what it's all about. Yeah, so um, you can listen to Super Scary. We release uh, new episodes every Monday. By the time this episode comes out, I believe I'll have two more for the season. And then I take like a quick two-week break for Christmas and New Year's. And then I um, start up again in January for second season. So um, you can listen every Monday uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Hell yeah. Do you want people to find you on the internet? Yes. Um, if you would like to find me on the internet, um, you can find me on all socials at Super Scary Podcast. And you can email me uh, if you so desire at superscarypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. And Josh, what's something you've been watching, reading, playing, listening to recently that you think the listeners of our podcast might enjoy? Yeah, so um, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, Wednesday, uh, the Adams Family series on Netflix looks really good. The clips that I've seen, I actually just watched a Netflix series called The Watcher um, recently. Um, It has Jennifer Coolidge in it. She is a fucking icon and queen, and we stan her. It's kind of like a horror thriller type show that um, it's kind of a slow burn. But if you stick around, it's it's pretty good. So awesome. Thank you so much. Brooke, where can people find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at Grumpy Brooke. You can find me on Instagram at Passion for Parks. And if you have not yet watched our national parks on Netflix, narrated by Barack Obama. You are missing out so hard. Just go and listen to Barack Obama be incredibly bemused by Tiny Deer. It's the best thing. Oh my god, I love that. Um, And I bet Leslie Nope would like that as well. (laughs) Yes. I think it was actually created by her. I think she's a producer. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Amazing. No. I love that for her. Not at all. Oh, I was like, like, oh my god, I I, I have to go watch this. Yeah. Well, not obviously it wouldn't be Leslie. Nope, it would be the actress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's delightful. It's not just U.S. national parks. It's it's national parks all over the world, oh, which I is a really that. cool look at other park systems in the world. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. 
I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. And to continue my plug a palooza, <laughs> this week I'm going to plug the like literary and linguistics podcast that I listen to. I've been plugging my the podcast I listen to in groups in bulk. I listen to a lot, I guess. So the the literary uh, and language podcast that I listen to, uh, if the first one's If Books Could Kill, two dudes talk about the dumb fucking books that everybody likes. Like, for example, the first one is Freakonomics. You know what I mean? <laughs> I listen to Libro FM's podcast. It's just called Libro FM. They're an indie audiobook provider, and they interview people from all over the book industry, but it's through that audio lens, so it's cool. All the people like work in audio, um, all the hosts. Oh, third on the list, I guess. Uh, How Do I Book? That's my podcast over at Wildling, which is about writing and publishing. <laughs> I also listen to Astro Poets. It's what it sounds like. It's horoscopes and poetry. I don't think they've published in a while, but like that podcast is really fun. I listen to Lingthusiasm, which is two linguistics, just talking about linguistic shit. It's really nerdy. Sean makes fun of me for listening to it, but um, it explains some very cool concepts if you ask me. And the final one on the list is The Illusionist. That's with an A, which means it's literary. Um, and she just talks about like sociolinguistic stuff um, in like a more conversational, like it, it's more accessible, I think, than Lingthusiasm. So those are all the language related podcasts I listen to. I hope you check them out. They all sound really cool. I won't. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm teasing. I do listen to How Do I Book because it's very entertaining and short. It's short. That's the best part. My husband even listened to it. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this chapter, which was both fun and depressing as the whole rest yeah. of the book is. Well, I, I enjoyed it. It was Kind of fun to go down memory lane for me a little bit because I, I haven't really touched my uh, Harry Potter books in a very long time. So, you know, while this book isn't the greatest, I, I enjoyed talking about it. Hell yeah. And I hope we'll have you back on for another ch- uh, chapter in the future, probably uh, once we get to Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. We'll see you again. I'm going to put a link to... The episode of Super Scary that I was on, they them they slash them, they slash them, to give people a starting point for your podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Well, next week I will be recording a podcast with uh, Alex and Zach from My Cabbages. As Ooh, that's well. so exciting! I love <laughs> yeah. them. Do you know yeah, how I met gonna... them, Josh? Uh, Do you no. know how I met Zach and Alex? No, tell me. Alex is my like childhood best friend. We <gasps> lived across the street from each other. We were eight. And at my wedding, Alex came up to me and was like, I absolutely fucking love the podcast that you do. And I was like, yeah, Christina's right over there. Do you want to go meet her? And she was like, oh, my God, seriously? And I was like, yeah. And I introduced them and they found out that they listened to each other's podcasts, (laughs) irrespective of knowing each other. Oh, my God. That is wild and lovely. And I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. We were both. All three, Zach was there too. We were all three, everyone involved, was, except for Brooke, was shit face drunk. So <laughs> I barely remember it, but Alex was wearing a dramatic hat, as she do. We had provided a good number of penicillin shots from the Jasper, and they got <laughs> drank very quickly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that. But yeah, um, <laughs> I actually met Alex and Zach at Christina's Halloween party. And we just headed off. So yeah, so I asked them to uh, review Poltergeist with me on that episode. Ooh, that's so yeah, fun. So we're gonna watch some classic scariness. 
Brooke, as always, thank you for being part of my community. I don't know. It starts with Orcio. I'm sick of <laughs> just saying co-conductor. Well, here's the problem is like, I want to say co-pilot. I want to say like co-coordinator. Like, but if you Google words that start with the prefix co, you get like company, community, computer, you know, I, like I want like. But like the prefix co, you know what I mean? Like give me <laughs> like the pre-prefix co, like a co co-pilot. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I feel like more like a codependent. Ah. <laughs> You're a codependent with a codependent. Can you claim each other on on your taxes? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end of the podcast, <laughs> and that's how I end the podcast these days. That's it, potheads. Thanks for listening to the Restricted Section. This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Christina Kahn. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Kahn. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Please connect with us on Twitter at RestrictedPod, on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod, on Facebook at RestrictedSectionPod, or in our Facebook group, The Restricted Section Detention Crew. Join our Patreon to get access to our Discord server, our bonus episodes, and other cool perks. We're also very happy to be a member of Deus Ex Media, where all you fucking nerds can find all kinds of fandom podcasts to suit your fancy. Hi, my name's Sam, and I've recently become an adult. But why does adulting have to suck? Join me on my journey to rediscover the joy of following your passions as an adult and discuss it with people who are doing just that. I'll sit down with a variety of people from all walks of life and ask the important questions while trying to figure out what does it really mean to adult. Whether you're a pro or haven't even started, come and listen wherever you get your podcasts and hopefully you might learn a thing or two. This is a test, just wondering if I got my settings correct. The waveforms look good. The waveforms look good. And now I'm just waiting, waiting in my Zoom room. Where are my friends? Where are my friends? I don't know. I'm just waiting in this Zoom room. It's one minute past when we were supposed to start recording. <laughs> anyway, Josh is here. Dave X Media.